One random night in March, some years ago, when I was 27, I was having dinner with a girl who I may or may not have been on a date with, while at the same moment in time, my Christian scientist father sat in the house I grew up in, dying of a heart attack. This was completely unbeknownst to me. After a gulf, I'm sorry, a gulp of Chardonnay, I said to the girl whom I was out with, this may sound strange, when I was in school, I was always jealous of the kids whose parents died. They got all this special attention. Everyone was so nice to them. I finished this somewhat disturbing thought, trying to emphasize it by slamming the side of my open hand on the table. I caught the top of my spoon and watched it somersault less than an inch from the girl's face before smacking against the window behind her. While the waiter got me a new spoon, I spun up a forkful of fettuccine alfredo, which was brave on a date. Those big noodles full of cream sauce all floppy and me being the sort of person who nearly performs aerial ocular surgery on my dining partners with a spoon. That is if we were on a date. We probably weren't. She'd been giving me mixed signals for years of meals and movies, and I didn't know if we were in a, a pre-physical <laughs> or a non-physical relationship. <laughs> Although I kept telling myself it was the former in order to justify the increasing investment in time, money, attachment, and sciatic nerve pain heartache. And whether or not I was romantically going out with her or platonically going out with her, I also didn't know at that moment of time that she would be the last girl I ever went out with who would meet my father. A few months before that dinner, we had flown east on my continental frequent flyer miles on a red-eye landing in Newark at 6 in the morning where my father picked us up before he had to be at work. I'd called him up ahead and asked, Dad, can you come in Mom's car instead of yours? Yes, I was a 27-year-old man worried about my parents looking poor, but my dad understood. He understood that his car was rusted in a 1977 Buick. He understood the set design facade of my mom's newer car. He understood his role in the Charles Freerich social theater of deception. <laughs> he understood because in many ways he and I were alike. You know, if I only had one adjective to describe him, it would be afraid. If I got another, I'd add responsible. Some more that come to mind are smart, teasing, loving, joking, and uncomfortable. On second thought, maybe uncomfortable should be first. I don't know if he bought his shirts too short on purpose or not, but seeing him in a dress shirt with a sleeve buttoned up tight against his arm an inch above his wrist was as uncomfortable to witness as it must have been to wear. I couldn't see his shirt sleeves when he met us at the airport. He wore a nice sports jacket, the one he would never wear to work. He drove us from the airport to his office, playing tour guide on the trip through the blackened brick husks of mills and factories, telling my maybe date how all the patent leather in the world had once come from right here on these few blocks in Newark, New Jersey. As we passed rows of broken windows and grimy walls, he told her that the ticker tape and the voltmeter, whatever the hell that was, were both invented in the buildings to our left and that seven different railroads used to bring long freight and passenger trains through Newark on the stone walls and iron drawbridges to our right. 
His voice was subdued, low, maybe out of shyness, maybe lack of breath. I interrupted him, afraid he was boring the girl. I pointed out that off in the distance we could see the skyline of New York City. That's the Pulaski Skyway in front of it, he said. Oldest separated highway in the country. Runs from Newark to Jersey City, and it's where the alien invaders landed in War of the Worlds. <laughs> At the time, I was having these dreams that my father had died. Everyone was different, but in everyone, he was there, and then he wasn't, and I knew that he was dead. Only, I'd wake up and realize that he was actually still alive and everything was okay. I even started writing a play about it with characters who represented my real family members, but with my dad being dead. The dreams had started on yet another trip, four years before the one to Newark, this one to Berkeley, to visit my brother who was getting his PhD. As my father, my mother, my brother, and I began walking one of Berkeley's steeper hills to get up to the football game, my father stopped and whispered in my ear, I don't like hills. Let's take the bus. He said this matter-of-factly as if saying, you know, it's raining. Let's take the bus. But he was telling me that the sidewalk was too steep for him. There were dozens of other people of all ages walking up the hill at that time. My father was 50. He told me a lie, that it was just an issue with hills. But it was, in fact, his heart giving out. And I, the obedient son, accepted his lie. The play I was running at the time was, as I said, about my dad. It was a story of a middle-aged Christian scientist who took his last breath at home without seeing a doctor or calling 911. I was halfway through the first draft when fiction became reality. I am 53 years old as I write these words, the age my father was, when I had fettuccine Alfredo with the girl I have to now admit I was not really dating. <laughs> I live in an apartment that I share with my wife and two teenagers. Our stove is an old Wedgwood range that once belonged to Mary Pickford, the actress, and like my father, the Christian scientist. For years, the stove would conk out as if walking up a hill too steep for it. Despite our not having it fixed, it would start again, and we'd tell ourselves that everything was okay. We didn't have the stove repaired until one day its dying became unbearable. A repairman came to the house, looked at it for 10 minutes, got a new part from his truck, and fixed it. In the seven years since, the stove has never conked out once again. In the years between 1985 on that hill in Berkeley and 1989 on our tour of Newark, there would be days my father could climb a hill and there'd be days that he could not. But the days that he was fine were a lie. The night he died, I had a different dream. My dad was in bed across the hall from my childhood room. I was also in bed kicking the wall like I used to when I was 10 years old. In real life, he would yell, Chuck, stop kicking the wall. I can't go to sleep. In my dream, he changed it to, Chuck, wake up so I can go to sleep. At the moment that I understood the implication of what he was asking me, the phone woke me and I got my wish to be special, to have everyone be nice to me. Weeks later, one friend being especially nice to me got me a meeting with the biggest theatrical director there was on Broadway, Ulu Grossbard. Ulu said, I'm so sorry for your loss. Then we were both silent, neither sure what to say next. 
when he finally filled the space with, so you wrote a play. It's not finished, I explained. But you were writing about your father's death before it happened. I nodded, yes. I want to read this when it's done, he said. There, there's something about that. I'd honestly like to be a part of it. I just looked at him in awe that he wanted to read my work. Ulu went on. Before we put American Buffalo up, David Mamet and I worked together on his early drafts. Maybe we'll do that with your play. I never sent it to him. I never contacted him again. See, I was afraid. I was uncomfortable. And now all these years later, I still dream of my father. Whenever he appears alive and well, I ask everyone else in the dream to please not let him know that he is dead. Because if they do, I know he's going to disappear. Still someone, often me, lets it slip and he vanishes. While he is still there, I'm inside a safe place. The house I grew up in, my grandmother's apartment, my dad's 1977 Buick. But once he disappears, I'm outside. There's no roof. There's just sky. The earth and me. I am the world. I am the only thing existent. The roof has been torn away. <laughs>